0: Christmas it's such an honor for me to be able to bring the message to you today and gosh how many of you are ready for Christmas anybody we are four days away or five days now from Christmas let me ask you a question how many of you are completely done with your Christmas shopping 100% thank you Amazon how many of you okay very few of you well then the rest of you are in the right place because I'm going to talk to you today about how to give the perfect gift The perfect gift, and you are gonna walk away with lots of knowledge you didn't have before. You know, I heard about a woman who was determined to get the perfect gift from her husband for Christmas. So she sat him down in no uncertain terms, and she said, babe, what I want this year goes from zero to 100 in four seconds. You get it? He smiled, got it, babe. So you can imagine, she was quite surprised Christmas morning when she opened up her gift and found a scale. Not the perfect gift, FYI. The perfect gift, what is the perfect gift? You know, during Christmas, we all try to give the perfect gift. Um, We actually celebrated as a family last night, and it's so simple because most of my grandchildren are at the age where they send me an Amazon link. And it goes right to their house, their mom has to wrap it, it's all good. But that's not always the perfect gift. I love watching children. I don't know if you were here last week, but our kids' choir, you know, some are picking their nose, some are picking their ears, some are praising Jesus. It was so classic. But I love watching children at Christmas time. And I came across this video, I want you to turn your eyes to the screen and watch children opening up their Christmas presents. Take a look. Seriously, Santa Claus, I'm a little girl! What is it? nothing like a child not getting uh, what they want. I love the little girl. I didn't want a bicycle. I wanted lipstick. You know, that was probably what I said to my mother. Um, But I want to talk to you about the perfect gift. And it's been said that the criteria for a perfect gift has to meet these three things. Number one, the gift has to be a reflection of the one giving the gift. Number two, the gift has, has to be the knowledge of what the giver and receiver wants or desires. And number three, the gift should be of the nature and quality that its value will last forever. Well, to my knowledge, I've only given my husband the perfect gift one year, in all the years that we've been married. But this particular year, we were living in Denver, Colorado. Our boys were quite small at the time, and we were on a pretty tight budget. Now, if you're like our home, most of the money goes to the kids' Christmas, and we look at each other and we say, we'll get you next year. And that's usually how it goes when you have small children. But this year, I was determined. I had saved every penny all year long for this gift for him. My birthday money, my babysitting money, anything I could find, because I was determined to get him the perfect gift. Well, my husband loves watches. And when we first got married, he said, one day I will own a Rolex watch. And I thought, in your dreams. And I'm thinking, yeah, babe, sure, right? On a preacher's salary, we're gonna get you a Rolex watch. And he wanted one so bad and so i determined i would get him a rolex watch now i couldn't afford a new one but i could afford a real one so i called our jeweler and i said hey i'm looking for a used rolex watch just something that's really nice and something in my budget well after he laughed he started looking and he called me and said hey i think i found the perfect watch for you so you can imagine that christmas morning i was so excited to give him that watch matter of fact My kids knew about it and they were more excited about dad getting this watch than any of their presents. matter of fact, our son is here today and we were reminiscing today and he goes, mom, that was probably the best Christmas for dad I can ever remember. And it's because I really wanted to give him this gift. It was coming from a place in my heart that I'd worked all year for him. So I pick up the watch, I'm so excited. The kids all open up their presents that morning and then it's time. And I reach under the tree and I get the box and I hand it to my husband. And first of all, he looks at it like, what is this? Because the wrapping paper was more expensive than most of the gifts that we give one another, but it was wrapped by the jeweler. And so he he looks at this and he opens it, and as he's opening it, he looks at that perfect emerald green box with the gold crown. And he looks at me and he goes, what is this? Quite expecting something to jump out at him, I'm sure. And I said, open it. And he opened it and he looked at me and he goes, is it real? and it was real and you know that particular year and i tell that story still all these years because for once i gave him the perfect gift because it had been given from my heart the giver to the receiver and it was something he wanted something he desired something he dreamt about and it has lasted through years now in sentiment and value and you know that's what the perfect gift is i want to talk to you about that today because i think and matt you said it so well i think it's become easy to give gifts and as the kids get older, the gifts get more expensive. I told my kids, my grandkids, they're like, I'm like, that's out of my budget. You know, but it's on Amazon, Gammy, it's really easy. You just click. And, and it's, it's, they're showing me how to order these things. And gift giving, for me, it's become almost just something you're supposed to do. So I wanna take you back just a little bit and I wanna talk to you about why do we give gifts. So what's the story of Christmas? And what's the story of gift giving? If you're anything like me, I'll tell you one thing that COVID and 2020 has done for me. It's made me begin to research what I believe and why I believe it. One thing I appreciate about our pastor, and I live with the guy so I know, he researches and he studies. And one thing I have realized is I've taken, really for granted, my constitutional rights. My rights as a Christian, my rights as an American. I have studied and I have researched. And I began thinking, I have to know what I believe and why I believe it. So I wanna ask you what do you believe about Christmas and why do you believe it? It's kind of interesting because Christmas actually comes from the word Christ Mass. In 1038, a group of believers came together and they had mass in honor of Christ. That's the first time the word Christmas was ever used, 1038, and they gathered together and they had communion. They broke bread and they drank the cup and they called the Mass for Christ, because Christ is the only King of kings and Lord of lords. So often we call him Jesus Christ, thinking Christ is his middle name. Let me just let you know, it's not Jesus Christ God, like I'm Tamra Lynn Hotzenpiller. it's Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the anointed one come from heaven. And I wanna ask you today about Christ, because Christ is anointed, he is Messiah. And I feel so many of us have not made him the Messiah in our life. We haven't made him the Lord in our life. So Christmas was a time of communion. How many of you, if you've gone to a candlelight service and you go in and they're taking communion? Because it goes back to that original Christmas day where they came together for communion for Christ. Now gift giving is a little interesting. This was one I really researched. Where did gift giving come from? Well, in the third century, St. Nicholas, and there really was a St. Nicholas, and he was actually a bishop um, in the Greek Orthodox Church. And his story is kind of interesting. His parents had him later in life. They were not able to conceive until they were much older, and they were quite wealthy. They came from the area of Turkey, which is Asia Minor, and they were very, very wealthy. And when they um, died, a pandemic swept through their area, and the parents died. And you can check this out, you need to check out St. Nicholas, it's good research. Every penny they had went to their son, Nicholas. And one thing that his parents taught him and everything that we read in history was that Jesus came as the son of God and he was the perfect gift. So one thing that Nicholas did with all of his money and all of his wealth and all of his inheritance was he gave gifts. He gave gave gifts to everyone in his town, and legend says, this is kind of a cool story, that there was a family whose daughters were being sold into trafficking because they did not have the money to pay their debt. So St. Nicholas actually gave the money for the dowry for all three girls, and he put it down the chimney, and supposedly it landed in their stockings. So for that, you can go with legend, uh, or you can just read and research yourself. But I began to think about a man who had so much wealth, so much prestige, so much power that they deemed him a saint because he had the heart of giving. And I just want you to examine your heart for a few moments when I talk to you today. What does your heart say when it comes to giving? This week, and I think because I've been working on this message, my mind's been a little more on giving and I've been thinking about it. I've come up with a few creative ideas for my grandkids, not always what they want, um, on how to give to others. But it's coming out of CVS a couple days ago and you know, we're, we're living in this weird world right now where we don't want to look at anyone, we don't want to acknowledge, we can't smile because we have masks on, and there is this sense of tension. I don't know if you feel it angst, anger, confusion, fear. And I'm walking into CVS, and the whole thing, you know, I'm just get in there, don't look, pay, don't breathe, hold your breath. You know, get out your wallet, just you know, you don't want to touch this, I gotta do that, then I need to wash my hands and sanitize my hands, and then I get out my credit card, maybe my credit card got dirty, I need to clean my credit card, oh, I catch my door door, oh, I just went and got gas, I forgot, I better clean this. And I'm like crazy, right? And I'm walking into CVS, and here is this gentleman, maybe 60 years old, sitting outside of CVS, dirty and old, and he has a guitar, and he's playing to the best of his ability, which was none. Just chords, just strumming chords. And the Holy Spirit said to me, and I'm very careful who I give to. I give to our church, I give to things that I know the money's going, where I believe it's going to, I give to organizations. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, what are you gonna do right now? And I went back to my car and I got out a bigger bill than I had in my hand to go for into CVS. And I walked up and I just put it in his little guitar case and I looked over and I swear it's gotta be an angel because sometimes I think God just tests me and tempts me to see if I'll do it. It was like one of those Christmas scenes. You know, and he kinda had this long little beard and he had this little beanie on and he was dirty, strumming. I threw that large bill in and he looked at me and his eyes teared up and he said, God bless you. And I'll tell you what, who got blessed that day was me. Because for the rest of the day, I went about smiling. Everyone, at times I just break the rules and I go up and I pull my mask down and just smile. <laughs> you know, I'm a rule breaker. I mean, I can't stand this. I just, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? You know, you just, I mean, we need a spirit of happiness right now. We need a spirit of Christmas right now. And it felt so good to give that man something. So I want you to think about right now as we're thinking at the year end? What are we going to do? What gifts are we giving? I want you to think about that. We're a few days before Christmas and a few days before the end of the year. You know, I think actually the greatest gift ever given, and most of us would say it, is Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible tells us in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. It was the greatest gift ever given to humanity. He gave his only son that whosoever, everyone in here, and you know, I like to watch people, and I know some of you are visiting, and Maybe you're coming to this church because somebody invited you and and you're like, okay, they do things a little different here and what's with the hands and the dancing and the like? what's this weird stuff? And the beautiful thing is everyone here gets to have a relationship with God where they're comfortable because God so loved the world. And there are people that love to express themselves and people that love to fall on their knees and people that wanna be quiet because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish or in some translations it says, "Be lost. You don't have to be lost, but you can have everlasting life. That's the greatest gift ever given. You know the, de- or the um, when I think about the wise men, they truly knew what the greatest gift was. Now a lot of us read, the Christmas story, and it's found in Matthew, and we're going to look at that in a minute. But, you know, I got to thinking about the wise men because the wise men were actually in Babylon. They were in the east, and they made their way because there was this star. Now, how many of you guys know about the Christmas star that's going to be out tomorrow? So December 21st. How many? Anybody seen it yet? It's actually been out the last two weeks, but it'll be in its fullness tomorrow when Saturn and Jupiter come together, and they actually will be so bright that in this winter solace of tomorrow, the longest darkest day in the Western Hemisphere will be the brightest. The longest, darkest day in the Western Hemisphere will be the brightest tomorrow when the star is shining. And you know, God uses stars. The Bible's real clear. He says signs and seasons, the sun and the moon and the stars. God created those so we will know how to follow him, how to know him. He is the creator God. So there was the star in the east. Now, Babylon was about 750 miles from Bethlehem which means it took anywhere from four to six months by camel to get to Bethlehem. That's a long time of traveling. And yet they saw this star and something compelled them. And I was praying about it the other day, and I thought, you know, God, that's what you do. Your star, your son, your spirit leads me. And that's what was happening. Something happened to these wise men. Something pricked their heart that they wanted to go see this King of King and Lord of Lords. So they made their way there. Um, If you have your Bibles, you may want to look to the screen. I want to walk you through Matthew 2. Because again, most of us can recite this. We've been to enough of our kids' school plays. You've done enough church Christmas. This is kind of the Christmas message. You know, my husband gave gave me this message because he said, I preached on that now for 40 years. It's your turn. You know, this is the Christmas message. But what I did was I took the book of Matthew, and verse by verse and word by word, I sat and I meditated. Now, guys, let me just encourage you right now not to read the book just as a historical book, but read the book as a spiritual book. Read the Bible as a way to let God's Holy Spirit speak to you. So let's look right now in Matthew 2. And this story is so beautiful. I think you'll see things you've never seen before. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. So here's the scene, guys. Jesus is born in a stable, the Bible tells us. Now they've relocated to a house. It's anywhere from six months to two years at this point that Jesus is old, that these wise men are making their way here. It says that they went to Herod the king and behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. So tomorrow when you go out and you look at that star, all you gotta do is look where the sun is setting. I just Googled the whole thing. You'll be able to see it beautifully from here. Be reminded that God is in control of the sun and the moon and the stars. He's in control of humanity. He's in control of your hearts. He's in control of pandemics, and He is in control of governors. God is in control. For we have seen His star in the east, and we have come to worship Him. These pagan kings, you gotta remember, they're coming from Babylon. They're pagan kings, they probably heard about this one Messiah coming, but something drew them. And I'm wondering if right now in 2020, Christmas, if God's spirit might be drawing you to something new and fresh, not the same old, same old. Maybe a new tradition, a new habit, a new relationship, maybe something this year that changes in you. These wise men came to worship. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled with all Jerusalem with him, because he knew of the prophecies. Now, this gets so good, guys, and sometimes we just run over this. This king, Herod, was afraid of an infant baby because there were prophetic prophecies in the Old Testament that said, one will come and you will bow to him. And no king, no governor, no authority, no dictate wants to bow to anybody. And what happened was Herod was threatened when he heard that everyone was talking about a Messiah, an anointed baby that came because he knew in the Old Testament it said he would come. And I I began thinking, God, are we hearing a new message right now? We gotta just get really honest. Our world's crazy right now. God, are you showing us your second coming? Is this your return? Is this a revival? Are you trying to wake up the church? Guys, this isn't normal. It maybe has become normal for you and it's so weird, But is God trying to get our attention like he was trying to get their attention? Is he saying, I told you all along in the Old Testament, I've told you through my spirit, I've told you through my word, I told you what's gonna happen, are you listening, are you watching, are you looking? It's exactly what's happening right now. And this king is startled because he heard he is coming. So they said to him, here's what it says in the Old Testament, here's what it says in the prophecies, Herod, listen, and this is actually in Micah 5 if you wanna read it, it says, in Bethlehem of Judea for thus it's written by the prophet but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah though you are least among the rulers for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel so Herod sitting here on his throne all pompous all big dictating telling everybody else what restaurants they can go to telling what schools can be open telling what churches can be open sitting here all high and mighty thinking he is someone but Messiah's getting ready to have an encounter with this king. <laughs> Messiah is getting ready to say, I am king, and I am Lord, and your throne is a small throne compared to my throne on high, and that's exactly what's happening with Herod. You see, Herod was aware of the Old Testament prophecies, and I wanna give you two that are so good. In Numbers 24, 17, listen, it says, this is Old Testament, and he's saying, I see him, but not yet. I behold him, but not now. For a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of the people of Sheth. In Psalm 72.10, the Bible says, "'May the kings of Tarshish and the distant shores bring tribute to him.'" That's the kings, these kings in Babylon. That's who this is in Psalms. That's what it's talking about. "'May the kings of Sheba and the kings of Seba present gifts to him. May all the kings bow down to him and every nation serve him.'" Is God trying to tell us right now, your world is not as big as my world. Your world needs to be governed and ruled and protected by me, and that's exactly what's happening. Herod's freaking out here a little bit right now. I'm thinking our governor's freaking out a little bit. He's positioning himself in a Senate position. He's thinking that I don't have to worry about being recalled because I'm gonna go somewhere higher. Let me tell you what, the only where, place he will go is one day every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ <laughs> And we wanna, we wanna support our politicians. We wanna support, we love our state, we love our cities. One thing I'll say about this church, we have been very strong and very bold, but I think it's time for the church to wake up. I think it's time for us to rise up. I think it's time for us to know our rights and know our Bible. And that's what I'm loving about Pastor Phil and what he's doing with American faith. I am learning so much. I felt so guilty about what little I knew about politics. I was so ignorant that I would say, give me a voter's guide and tell me how to vote. Instead of doing my due diligence and seeing what my convictions are, it's about my children and my grandchildren and the generations to come. That's what my vote is about. And it's important that we know these things. So the Bible continues in verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined where is this star and where did it come from? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search for the young child. And when you have found him... this verse makes me so mad... And when you have found him, bring him back to me, so I may worship him. Herod had no intention of worshiping this Messiah. He was only about himself. And and there are liars out there. There are liars liars in leadership. There are liars in leadership. And everyone's thinking, okay, go, go get this Messiah and bring him here. Herod wanted nothing more than to kill every child. Because if you continue to read in Matthew... The Bible tells us that Herod calculated that this Messiah was anywhere from zero to two years old, and he literally wiped out every infant and every child up to two years old. Every one of them in the area was killed and massacred because he was so threatened by this Messiah, by this child named Jesus. The Bible goes on, and he said, and when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. And you know, it's so cool. If you don't read the Bible slow enough, you might miss it. Because the star, hi guys, forgot you're over there. (laughs) Because the star led them. The star led them. The star moved with them and led them, like the Bible says, over where this young child was. Now notice if you read the scripture, it says young child, not infant. Jesus isn't an infant at this point. He's probably somewhere between a year and two years old. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child, doesn't say infant, young child, with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him, and they opened up their treasures, and they presented gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, these wise men knew what the perfect gift was to give a king. Now, let me walk you through these gifts, because I really want you to drill deep, and I want to ask you if you're giving any perfect gifts this Christmas. See, the wise men knew when they gave gold that they were giving a gift of royalty. These three wise men, these three kings, bowed and worshipped, just like they said. They worshiped the one and only Messiah. Maybe he's two years old. They understood the kingship. They understood the lordship. They understood he was king. So they brought him gold, which is always what you'd give to a king. But then they also brought incense. So frankincense was always a picture in the Old Testament and the New Testament of sacrifice and worship. And they were saying, we're here to worship you. We're here to worship you. I love this verse, if you know Revelation 8.4, it said, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the hand of the angel. Do you know right now that there's incense in the throne room? That Jesus left the throne room He took on humanity, he was born in a stable, the wise men came to a house, they offered him gifts, gold, incense, because of the worship, they came to worship him. And then this one's kinda weird, and myrrh. Now if you know anything about myrrh, myrrh was an oil that was used to embalm the body. Myrrh was always a picture of death. So these disciples were acknowledging that this one, this tiny little infant, came to die. And I was reading it the other day, and I've read this a 100 times, and all of a sudden I thought to myself, I wonder if this is the first time that Mary realized that her son would die. She knew the angel said that he was the son of God, that he would come to redeem the world. But can you imagine mothers looking in the eyes of your two-year-old and being presented myrrh? It was a, nothing more than a picture of death. But these three kings said you are royal, you are worthy of praise, and you are my sacrifice for salvation. They had truly presented the perfect gift. You know, we know Jesus is the perfect gift, and he all definitely meets all three criteria. First of all, because he's giving from the heart of the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews 1.3, these are so good. Again, I love the word of God, and I love sitting and tearing it apart, and not literally out of the Bible, but like in my spirit, and thinking about these words, and meditating, because it's God's breath, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. This is the son of God. He came, he's in the exact representation of God. Colossians 1.15 says, he in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Do you know when God gave this gift, he gave it from his heart. Every single person in here, every single person, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, he knows you better than you know yourself He knows what's in your heart he knows what's in your spirit he knows your needs and he knows your desires he gave his gift of himself because he knows you but he also gave it because he knew what you needed god knows we need help and he knew we needed a redeemer and a savior and a healer and a friend psalm 73 tells us who have i in heaven but you and on the earth nothing besides you you know I'm a very blessed woman. I have a great husband, and great children, and great family, and great home, great life, and tremendous church. But there's nothing on this earth that can completely fulfill me. You know, Anselm said, within every man is a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And as much as every single person in here today is trying to fill that with everything the world has to offer, there is a place in your heart that can only be filled by God, and you can try and try and try, and you can go to church and you can be good and you can give money and gifts and everything else, but until you know him as your Lord and your savior, as your best friend, as your redeemer, until he is the hope of your salvation, you will always have a void place in your heart, and you'll constantly be trying to fill that up, because he came because he knew what we needed. And I love this slide, I think this is so good. A gift consists not in what is done or given but in the intention of the giver or doer. And I was so just guilty this year buying gifts because my intention was just to make my grandkids happy. Now they're listening, so I gotta be careful because I don't wanna give away what I got them. I got them some good stuff, some really good stuff. Cruz, you're gonna love what I got you, and Crosby, you're gonna just freak out. It's gonna be so good. But I also gave them something they're gonna be surprised by because I gave them something that they have to make a decision with what to do with. And will they touch another life by it? And I wanna ask you that. Will you make a difference this year in somebody's life? Maybe that guitar player outside of CVS. Will you open your eyes and see the people along the way that God put for you? You see that guitar player? I don't even think he exists. I think he just was one of those, I'm gonna see, Tammy, where your heart is. And God puts those little angels in our way to test our heart. So the third one, and I love this, is that the gift of Jesus holds value for eternity. We all know Romans 3, 23, for the wages, the payment at the end of our life, for our sin is death. But it's really clear, because the Bible says, but the free gift. There is nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to receive it. When I gave my husband that Rolex, he didn't have to worry about how to make payments. He just got to put it on. He just got to enjoy it. And I'll tell you what, I was, I'm running around the house. I was the happiest person. I was over the moon because I gave him something he just didn't expect. I'm gonna ask you this Christmas to give somebody something they don't expect. Give a gift from the heart. John 10, 28 says, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. Look what he says, for no one can snatch them out of my hand. You know, this year, as you consider what you're gonna give. I I wanna take a moment and it's such an honor for me to be here, I'm always fluttering around. A lot of you have gotten to know, many of you are just visiting with us. You're just coming here because you wanna come to church and you wanna be here, so welcome and we're glad you're here, I've met so many new people. So whether you've been here a week or months or years, I want you to know that this church wants to make an impact in our community and I believe we have. So I wanna just take a moment, because I'm so proud of every department of our church. I'm so proud of the stand that we've taken in this season and in this time. It's hard to believe we've been open for nine months. And I was on my prayer walk yesterday, and I'm like, God, we're nine months old, and all of a sudden I got this picture that we're getting ready to birth something. We've been open for nine months, and something's getting ready to be birthed from this house. It has been an incubation, Uh uh-huh, yeah, somebody got that. Probably a mother, there's probably a mother that got that one, but something's been birthed in this church. But I want to take a moment to show you a couple slides. Every department in this church, I'm so proud of it. Of course, we saw last week with our kids' ministry and how cute were all those kids, but all of our children's department, and Taylor, it's so good to have you. You finally get to sit in big church. You're not back with the kids today, um, but we love Pastor Erica and Diane and Danny. And let me, listen, let me take. I want to tell you, because you may not know. Not only is our kids' ministry open, where these kids are coming, and they're reading their Bible, and these kids need community. They need to know that there's other kids, and and life isn't going to be like this forever, and and they get to come and learn. But on Wednesday nights, we have Bible Club here. So on Wednesday nights, Mom, you can go shopping. Dad, you can go out, you guys can go eat. You can go do something fun. Drop the kids off to hear about Jesus and go out shopping. Go do something. But on Wednesday nights, we have Bible Club here for our kids. I'm so proud of our children's ministry and how they've stepped up during this time. We haven't closed down, we've stepped out. We haven't closed down, we've stepped out. I'm telling you, we're doing more now as a church than we've ever done in our history. And I'm so proud of our youth ministry and Pastor Drew and Lexi and what you're doing. If you just want to be ministered to on a Wednesday night, come up here on a Wednesday night. I just sit around and cry. They used to be outside before it got cold, and now they've moved in here. But you see a hundred or so kids in here worshiping and praying with one another. Do you realize the suicide rate with young adults and college and high school kids today is higher than it's ever been because of what we're going through with COVID? Do you realize our young adults and our young people need community, they need friends, they need prayer, they need hope? I'm so grateful for Pastor Drew and man, this place is just rocking in here. Man, they're worshiping, they're playing basketball. They're, they're doing everything in here. I don't even wanna know what they're doing in here. They're just having too much fun. And I'm so proud of that. And I'm so proud of our music ministry. I'm so proud of Melody and Whitney and Drew and all of you guys. I mean, who during a pandemic, yes, who during a pandemic has a masterclass where we had people flying in from all over the United States to come to Influence Music Masterclass. Oh, let's just launch a masterclass, Melody, in the middle of a pandemic. So we have all these writers, and they write our next album that's coming out in a couple months, and Melody writes a beautiful Christmas song with with one of the guys from Harvest Church that's now on the radio. Who does that during a a pandemic but Influence Church? And I'm so proud of our music department, and I'm so proud of what you're doing, guys. I'm so proud of our link classes and Pastor Natalie, I mean, you didn't miss a beat. And if you're not in a link class, it's anything from getting together and bike riding or running stairs or doing Bible studies. Just link with people. Guys, please, you need community. Some of you tell me this is the only normal thing you do all week. Do you realize how important it is to have some kind of balance, some kind of schedule in your life? And so you've done such a great job, Pastor Bethany, keeping these link groups going, and Pastor Nate teaching the link classes on Sundays. I mean, it's because people want to come to church. People want to come to church, and we've done so much. I'm so proud of that. You know... Um, I also, Pastor Phil, and what you're doing with American Faith, and, and that's just amazing with that as well. And then let me just say this. All of you guys know what we're doing with our empowerment program and how we're feeding the homeless and we're feeding those. Not just homeless. That's the wrong word. Right now, it's just anybody hungry because that's us. That's all of us. And I am thank you so very much. Right now, Jen and her team's out here. I think Tammy's inside today. Thank you, Tammy, for all you do. We love you. And you've been such a big part of this. But not here, guys, listen to me. It's not only the food. Now we're getting, all, we're getting clothes, and we're giving clothes. And the toy drive today is a toy drive for the Boys and Girls Club. We have over 900 gifts that we're going to be taking to the Boys and Girls Club at 1 o'clock today. And they'll drive up. These are families that don't have an enough income for toys. They'll pop their trunk, and we'll put the gifts in where we're going to the Boys and Girls Club with our truck with 900 gifts. But let me tell you what. We don't have enough because we have gifts mostly for 3-year-old to 10-year-old. What we need are gifts for infants and gifts for teenagers. So you literally can go on your app, you can go to the empowerment program, you can go to the toy drive, and you can say, I'm gonna donate, because we're gonna go from here to buy the gifts that we don't have. We get done here in a few minutes, we're gonna jump into our cars, we're gonna run to Target, and anything that comes in, we're buying gifts. So I want you to know that's going to that. I'm so proud of our empowerment program. And then one of my loves is our women's ministry. And I love women of influence. I love how we've been empowered as women. I'm so excited during this pandemic, this COVID, this shutdown, we've launched five Bible studies in the last five months. And I'm so excited. They are here at the church on Wednesday nights. Uh, They are in homes, they are online. And let me just say this, everything we do, we try to do with Zoom and online, because we realize that you're our church too. We realize that whether you're comfortable being here or not, you're still a part of Influence Church. So we've been very careful to make sure everything we do is through live stream and Zoom, and that you feel a part of your local congregation. Matter of fact, in February is our women's conference. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like you guys. I mean, we're running this church, and we sit down at staff meeting, and we say, should we? Shouldn't we? Should we open? Shouldn't we open? Should we have this ministry? Shouldn't we have this ministry? And I sat down with my team, and I said, should we have the women's conference? Will anybody come? I mean, do people want to be around each other? And I began to pray, and I really felt God say, have the conference. And so on February 27th, we're having our women's conference, Be the Girl. And I am so excited about it, guys. I believe we need to come together. We have some of the greatest speakers coming. Kim Walker-Smith will be here to lead a concert. It's going to be an amazing time for women. So I'm going to encourage you to go outside today, sign up. We've got great packages and great bundles. We've made the price really reasonable. I personally want to see this place packed with women that wanna worship. We'll have the outdoor area open. We wanna be sensitive to you. We want you to wear masks. We'll social distance. We wanna do what we can to make everybody feel comfortable, but we wanna come together as the church. I've never been more proud of a church than I am of this church. And Pastor Phil and I have pastored for many, many years in many wonderful churches, but I'm gonna tell you what, I have never, ever, ever been in a church with greater people and greater staff in a greater time to fulfill the gospel that the Messiah came because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? You know, God wants to speak right now. And before we worship, I'm just gonna ask you to bow your heads for a minute. And you may be new to our house. There's a joke around here at this church that Pastor Phil is the head, and I am the heart. He brings all the knowledge. He's a smart cat. But what I want to do is, I want to touch your heart today. And I really don't want you to leave here until you had a personal encounter. I don't mean salvation. I hope you have that. And if not, it's very easy just to invite Jesus into your heart by confessing that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. And inviting him to come in and be Lord of your life. But what I want to do, church, today is I want to ask you, everyone in this room, to have a personal encounter right now. You see, it's not just one encounter with God. It's daily encounters with God. It's just literally saying, God, I've been really busy. I haven't seen the guitar payers. I haven't seen the ministries. I really haven't even seen anyone smile. God, I've been afraid, I've been angry, I've been depressed. But God, if you truly are who you say you are, you are my savior, you are my redeemer, you are my healer, and you are my friend. And I'm gonna personally ask right now for your spirit to touch my spirit empower me to walk in fullness and confidence and victory through the rest of 2020. I want to be new. I want to enjoy Christmas the way it was meant to. Recognizing the Mass, Communion, Lord's Supper, that you are the blood and the body the bread, and the cup. You are my Savior. I just pray that you've prayed that today and that you individually have just taken a moment to connect with the Spirit of God. I wish you such a very Merry Christmas.